Welcome to Diverse City Church Sermons. We hope that you enjoy this week's message by Pastor Ray. And with that being said, I don't need to preach very long, so I'm just going to give you a few minutes. And I just want to talk to you quickly about Judas. But before I talk to you about Judas, I want to ask a question. Does anyone here personally know someone named Judas? Raise your hand if you know somebody named Judas. There ain't nobody that knows a Judas. You know a Judas? We need to pray for him. For his parents. Now remember, we have covered lots of people. We covered Andrew and John and James and Bartholomew. And I asked questions many weeks. I said, does anybody know a John? Lots of people. Anybody know a James? Lots of people. Then we got to Andrew. Yes, people knew. Bartholomew, we had a few, not many, just a few. You get to the name Judas, and no one raised their hand. And then at the end, somebody wanted to sneak a hand up and act like they know somebody named Judas. I mean, now I'm just messing. I believe you. And, and the re- that's important because here's what we need to know. We as human beings happen to follow history, whether we know it or not. We think that James and John and Peter are popular names because that's what we as Americans have adopted. But what we need to realize is that these names far go beyond the English language or America. These names were popular way before us. And Judas is a name that's not popular. Why is it that Judas is not popular? Because his name is is coinciding with a traitor or a betrayer. And no one wants to name their child after Judas, the betrayer. So there are four accounts, right? We've been talking about these same four accounts over and over. And this is where I want to start us at real quick. And I'm going to end end quick as well. It's in Matthew 10, Mark 3, Luke 6, and then in Acts chapter 1. In each of these four accounts, Judas is always listed where? At the end. You always have Peter being first. You always have James and John and Andrew up at the top. And you always have the other disciples in the middle. And you always have Judas on the end. The reason Peter is always listed first is because he was the leader of the 12. The reason James and John were listed there with them is because they were of the top three, the most intimate with Jesus. We see it all through scripture that that Jesus had James and John and Peter with him many times times when the others weren't there but then we always see Judas at the end and Judas is at the end for a reason he's at the end because he is what we call the betrayer look in Matthew chapter 10 it says in verse 2 now the names of the 12 apostles are these first there's Simon who's called Peter then there's Andrew there's James the son of Zebedee Jane John his brother Philip Bartholomew Then you got Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. Then you got James, the son of Alphaeus. Then you got Levius and then Thaddeus. And then you've got Simon, the Canaanite. And then you've got Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. I tell you what, it's a pretty bad label when Matthew writes the 12 disciples. But the last one he says is Judas, who betrayed Jesus. 
It wasn't just Matthew who said that. Look in Mark. Mark chapter 3. It says, and Judas who also betrayed him. Then you go to Luke and it says, and Judas who also became a traitor. Now, I mean, I just need y'all to see something for a minute. I need you to see that Judas is always at the bottom. Of these 12 disciples, which one had the worst character? Only one person. We'll try this again. The answer is Judas. Okay, here we go. Of the 12 disciples, which one had the worst character? Amen. Somebody preaching to me now. Now, Judas had the worst character, and he's also referenced last of the 12 disciples. Now, keep in mind, when we looked and studied Andrew and James and John, and and we studied, uh, studied other apostles, they were not perfect. They made mistakes. All of them were known for their stupidity, for somehow they messed up. We said that you don't need to be perfect to follow Jesus. You just need to be teachable. We don't need to be perfect. We don't need to have it all together. We just need to be teachable. Jesus was able to look at Andrew, James, and John, and Peter. And even though he knew that James and John were going to do foot and mouth and be labeled the sons of thunder because they always spoke out of turn and too quick because of passion, Jesus still caught them. Why? Because he could teach them. Jesus knew that Peter was going to cut off the ear of a soldier and and walk on the water and fall. And he would deny Jesus three times before the rooster crowed. Jesus knew, but Peter was teachable. See, Jesus doesn't need you to be perfect. He just needs you to be teachable. That's all he wants. He wants us to be people that can actually be accountable to someone else. In our culture today, we're all rebellious. Nobody wants to listen to nobody. I ain't listening to nobody. I'm my own man. I'm grown. You know that YouTube video, if you ain't seen it, type in, I'm grown. I'm grown. I'm the daddy. I run this. No? Okay. All right. (laughs) Moving on. There's this I'm grown spirit that likes to hover upon us church people that loves the pastor as long as the pastor don't tell me about myself. We're cool with you, we love accountability, we love mentors, but don't tell me something that I don't want to hear. See, so we need to see that Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, and and others, they were not perfect, but they were teachable. But there is one that was not perfect and could not be taught, and his name was Judas. And his character was worse than the others, not because he was not perfect, but because when his imperfections were exposed, he did not change. See, Jesus gave Judas an opportunity to surrender to accountability and make a change. But Judas refused to listen to the instructions of his teacher. He was not willing to be accountable to Jesus. And and, and I got three points. And my first point is bad character will always land you at the bottom. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody today. I feel it. I feel it. It's only going to be 10 minutes, and I'm already feeling it in my son and I. Deep and deep. I mean, deep in my son and I. I feel it. Don't know where the son and I is located. Don't know what the son and I is. But it sounds spiritual. I mean, it, it's, it sounds like it's just deep up inside somewhere. 
and, and, and I, I'm just, I'm, I'm feeling it. You know, the Bible says in Galatians chapter 6 and 7, don't be deceived because God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that what he also reap. What the author of Galatians is saying, the apostle Paul, is he says, don't get it twisted. You can act like God all you want, but if you're faking the funk, you will be exposed. See, that's the who version. See, because here's what happens. We come to church, we put on our suits, you know, we look real good. You know, we, we, we play the part, we stand, we sit, we know when to praise, how to praise, how to serve, how to give. Hey, Pastor, how you doing? God bless you. Hey. No, and you just cuss your wife out. Right? I mean, that's what we do. I mean, we, we fake it. We fake it till you make it. But the problem is, is you can fake it, but you won't make it. Because God is going to give you what you're doing, not what you act like you're doing. Ooh, I, I, see, I told you I felt it my son and I. So, so what I'm saying is we need to understand that it doesn't matter if you pretend to have good character. You are going to end up with what you actually are, not what you pretend to be. So you can pretend to have it all together, but you'll still end up on the bottom because you may be able to manipulate the system called the United States government. You may be able to manipulate your, your co-workers. You may be able to manipulate those you work with, your bosses. But you cannot manipulate God. And we can come and play church all we want. But at the end of the day, if we're not right, we'll still be at the bottom. Because you can't mock God. You can't, you can't act as if you've got integrity and you've got it all together. And, oh, hey, how you doing? But inside, you're cussing them out and talking about how ugly and messed up they are. And you wish you was alone with them somewhere because you tell them how you really feel. Doesn't work. Bad integrity, bad character, unfaithfulness will always put you at the bottom. The second thing I want you to see is no one plans to be at the bottom. Let me say it. Nobody plans to be at the bottom. Can I, can I tell you something real quick? Some of you know that you will never turn your back on God again. And many of you will still fall short, including me. But there's some of us who know we'll never mess up. And then we find ourselves in a place of messing up again. And, and why do I say that to you? I say that because oftentimes people have this idea and concept that if they make a commitment to God, that they'll never break it and fall short. And I always ask them, I said, what makes you think that you are not suspect to falling short? What makes you think that you're not suspect for falling out of church or using, drinking, drugging? And what makes you think that you are exempt from going back to where you came from? Oh, because I love the Lord. Now, it doesn't matter how much you love the Lord. Oh, I'm not going to do it. And then I asked this question. I said, do you think a crackhead planned to smoke crack? Like, like, like do you think that somebody who's 13 is like, oh, I can't wait till I get older. I'm going to smoke crack and be homeless. No. Do you think people say, oh, I, I just want to get pregnant and have kids and, and not have anybody to raise them with me? 
No, no one plans this stuff. We don't plan to fall from God. We are adamant and sure and confident that everything's going to be good. And then somewhere along the way, we slowly begin to disconnect and find ourselves in a place that we never saw coming. But yet we look at Judas and we think that Judas was like always this guy. Judas wasn't always this guy. When Jesus called Judas, the Bible says that Jesus knew the hearts of every one of his apostles. We talked about that in week one. So that means that Jesus had already known. And, and you know that Jesus sent out Judas along with the other 11 to heal people who were sick and cast out demons and do all kinds of miracles? Think about that. See, when we think of Judas, we think of the betrayer. You know what we think? We think when Jesus called Judas at first that he was a betrayer immediately, so Jesus kind of left them be apart, but he never sent them out. That's not true. It says that he sent them out two by two. Well, how can you send them out two by two if you only send out 11? Uh-oh. Y'all with me, right? I mean, y'all with me? In case you don't know math, two, four, six... Time, two times six equals 12. You got to go out two by two. See, Judas was out there serving with Jesus. Y'all with me? But the problem was, is even though when Jesus first called Judas, Judas did not plan on betraying Jesus, Jesus knew someday something was going to happen, even though at that point Judas didn't plan it. Judas did not plan on becoming so overwhelmingly greedy. Judas did not plan on choosing money over God. He didn't say, oh, you know what, but I'm going to go and I'm going to serve Jesus for a while. And then I'm going to use this in my favor. I'm going to become greedy. I'm going to choose money. No, he didn't do that. He followed Jesus because he saw something in Jesus. But somewhere along the way, he became greedy, and he lost sight of what was most important, and money became more of a priority than the mission. This is just like us. See, y'all, some of y'all don't want to admit this, but I'll admit it. This is just like us. This is just like me. We all start off well, but somewhere along the line, we begin to lose sight. Our focus gets off. We need to be careful because anything and anyone is able and suspect to falling short of the standard that God has for us. <laughs> Judas chose pleasure, money, over God. And if we're not careful, we too could be people that choose pleasure over God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, look what it says in verse 12. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Really what that says is, look, you may think that you got it all together and yet you won't fall again. But you better be careful because you could fall again and fall quick. I've said this many times, but I'll say it again. I told my wife and I uh, often say that we need to protect our marriage because the reality is, is my dad's been married four times. My mom's been married three times. And, and my, my, my wife's parents, their marriage is not the best. And, and, and we said, you know what? We don't want to be what my dad was, what my mom was, what her parents were. We don't want that. We want more than that. And we know that we are very likely to have a 
divorce just like others. You say, well, pastor, I mean, that's not really. Look, 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 take that old speak it in yourself. Look, let's take that out. I'll speak life over you. I know that I'm a living, powerful, anointed man of God. But here's the reality. There is something called generational bondage that the enemy wants to creep and allow into every one of you. And the things that you deal with are most likely very similar to the things your grandmother dealt with because we all struggle and here's the thing we need to identify what our issues were here's my weaknesses here's those who failed before me here's what's most likely to come get me and then we put parameters and boundaries around our life to make us successful I can't think, oh, I'll never, my marriage will never end. Because if I walk around thinking my marriage will never end, I'll never guard my marriage. And if I don't guard my marriage, the enemy's going to come in and take my marriage. So what I need to do is, therefore, him who thinks he stands, you better be careful or else you'll fall. See, that's what he's saying. We, we need to honestly do a self-evaluation and self-assessment and begin to write down things and then figure out a way to keep ourselves accountable to it. Look in John chapter 14, or excuse me, chapter 12, verse 4. It says, but one of his disciples, Judas, said, why was this frag, fragment oil, fragment oil uh, not sold for 300 denarii, fra- fragrant of oil, excuse me, not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief, and he had the money box, and he used used to take what he wanted out of it. Or as in this version says, and he used to take what was put in it. What what does this mean? Well, Well, first thing we know is that Judas was the treasurer of the 12 disciples. All right? So you had Jesus, the president. You had Peter, the vice president. And then you had Judas, who was the treasurer. And Judas took care of the money. And whenever people would come and be like, oh, Jesus, we bless you. And they would sow into Jesus' ministry. He was actually, they were actually sowing into the tribe of 13, Jesus and the 12. And Judas was the one that collected and maintained the finances of the 13. It was him. And the Bible says that Judas and the disciples, along with Jesus, were there one day when this woman came in with a very expensive fragrant oil, and she decided she wanted to break it and anoint Jesus with it. And then Judas says, how dare she take that expensive oil, which is worth 300 denaries, and not give it to the poor? Huh, how in the world would you do all of that and not use your money for the poor? And, and then look what it says. It says that this was said because he was a thief and that he took care of the money for the 13 and he liked to dip in and get it when he needed it. See, I want you to see something. This is in John chapter 12. The fall and the identity of him becoming a betrayer and a traitor doesn't come until later. Why? I want you to see something. I need you to see the small little bits of betrayal that ended up leading to the big betrayal. 
I need us to see that it started off seemingly small and insignificant, but later on in life, it continued to grow and became something big. Much like us, it starts off seemingly small and innocent, but if we don't catch it quick, it will overwhelm us and be the thing to take us down. And then we say to ourselves, I never intended on using drugs again. I only was going to drink a beer every once in a while. But if you don't catch it when it's early, it'll lead to your greater destruction. And, and we need to make sure that we don't give him any room to come in or else he may take over the entire room. Look at Matthew chapter 6. Jesus was preaching and I can't help but to think about what Judas may have been thinking as Jesus was preaching to Judas and the others. As Jesus was preaching, Judas was standing around and he heard Jesus say, no one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. And then he says, no one can serve both God and mammon. Mammon is talking about evil money that is made and collected and used for evil things. And, and really what it's saying is no one can serve both God and the love of money. Can you imagine how Judas may have been feeling after just dipping his hand out of that box with all the money and using it for some things that he wanted to use it for? Much like preachers and treasurers in the church all around the world that think because they volunteer their time, they can sneak a 20 out from time to time. See, Judas thought, surely I'm worthy of sneaking out a little bit of money every once in a while. But what he didn't know is that little sin was getting ready to find him with the big sin. We need to be careful because it starts off innocent. But soon a case is built if we don't catch it quick. Matthew 16 and 6 says, for what does it profit a man? Jesus is saying this. Judas is standing around and he says, what does it profit a man? If he gains the whole world, yet loses his own soul. Imagine what Judas, the betrayer, the lover of money, the greedy one, was thinking as Jesus preached this, this message. Then you look at James. James is the brother of Jesus who knew all about Jesus and Judas and, and how Judas ended up committing suicide. And now Jesus, excuse me, James writes in his book and he says, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Yes, the enemy influenced him and had a part that he played in him, but can I tell you that Judas was led away because he had a greed issue. Then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. See, we need to be careful that our thoughts don't become acts and that our acts don't become habits and that our habits get caught quickly because if they don't, your habit becomes character and your character shapes your destiny. I need to say that again. We need to be careful that we don't allow our thoughts to become our acts because if you're not really careful, your acts will become habits. And once your acts become habits, it now becomes character. And your character determines your destiny. If you want to be great, 
You need to live great. I'm not saying you're going to be perfect. You're going to mess up and do stupid stuff. But at the end of the day, we need to rebound and get back on track with God and keep moving forward. The third and last thing that I want to give you is the end may not be good, but you got to keep on going anyway. Let me say that again. The end might not be good, but you got to just figure out a way to keep on going anyway. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 27. It says, Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful. So, so Judas is remorseful. And he brought back the 30 pieces of silver that he had gotten for betraying Jesus. He brought it to the chief priests and the elders saying, I have sinned by betraying an innocent man's blood. I do not want this money anymore. I have messed up. And they said, what is that to us? We don't care. We wanted one thing, and that was Jesus. And we asked you to help us out. You agreed. You gave, we gave you 30 pieces of silver, and then you gave us Jesus by the kiss of betrayal. And now we got him in custody, and we're waiting to have him persecuted to death. And now you want to get in this place of being sentimental and convicted and feel guilty and remorse. And now you want to give us the money back? Oh, well, you, you know what we'll take the money back but you aren't getting Jesus back they didn't care they they did not care about the remorse and the guilt and the grief and the pain and the shame and every other thing associated with Judas they didn't care and then it says that they threw down the pieces of silver in the temple he threw down the pieces of silver into the temple and he was mad he was angry he departed and he went and he hung himself now if you want a better description go to the book of acts chapter 1 it'll say that Ju- judas hung himself and his intestines spewed out of his body why do i say this to you I say this to you because I want us to see something. I don't know what Judas's end result for eternity was. I don't know that. Some people say, oh, he committed suicide. You know he's in hell. Well, I, I don't know that he's in hell. I really don't. What well, the Bible says, do not kill. I know the Bible says, do not kill. But I don't know what in the world was going through his head and heart when he jumped off that rock to hang himself. I just really believe because I have met people I have done multiple funerals of people of suicide. I've done ones where people, matter of fact, I'll tell you a story. There's a very dear friend of mine. Her name was Becky Kalina. She would come and visit us often, and she struggled with suicide. And one day, she did it. She killed herself. She drank a bunch of antifreeze. And and antifreeze is probably one of the worst ways to kill yourself. And, and she drank this antifreeze, and it just, it, from what I hear, it just, it makes you choke up, and you just, all kinds of stuff, and you kind of suffocate. It, it, it's horrible. It, it's brutal. And, and, and not only that, it probably took an hour, maybe more. I don't know, a couple hours. And I was thinking to myself, I know she wanted something with the Lord. She was the only person that I went to high school with that still came around us because she was so hungry for something. She wanted the Lord. Lorenda and I would pour into her often. She loved our children. My children loved her, and she was struggling. And I just got to believe that after she drank that antifreeze and sat there and, 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 and just 
fought to stay alive as she wrestled against the antifreeze and and her own vomit and spit inside of her throat, that there is a very good chance that she had an encounter with the grace of God. I just got to believe that that God is compassionate and gracious enough to come through even in those last moments. Why do I say that? I say that because if Judas was in heaven, I would not be surprised. I wouldn't. Why would you not be surprised? Because look, he had guilt. He had shame. He was mad. He was frustrated. He was mad at himself. And he went back with remorse and said, hey man, I don't want this deal no more. And you know what I thought about? I thought this to myself. I said, what would have happened if he had that remorse and did not commit suicide and Jesus resurrected? What would have happened? Because keep in mind, he killed himself before Jesus resurrected. What would have happened had he had this deep sense of conviction and remorse and and betrayal of of, of knowing what he did and the betrayal and and he was like, man, I'm broken. Maybe, just maybe Jesus would have went to him like he went to Peter and says, Peter, do you really love me? See, because Peter, Peter, Peter lied three times. He said, I don't know Jesus. I don't know Jesus. I don't know Jesus. Now, we know the Bible. The Bible says that if you, if you deny God before men, what? He's going to deny you before his Father in heaven, right? So, so the scripture is saying that if you deny, you'll get denied. Well, hold on. I, hold on. This is kind of crazy because Peter denied Jesus three times. But yet Jesus, in his infinite grace, was able to go to Jesus, go to Peter and say, Peter, I know you love me. I know that you love me. Don't you? Don't you? Don't you? Just go feed my sheep. I I just believe that if Judas could have just hung on, man. If he wouldn't have given in, that just maybe the grace of God would have shown up to Judas and said, Judas, it had to happen the way it did. Why do I say this to you? I say this to you because a lot of you are in a moment right now today that it seems like maybe all hope is gone and you can't rebound from this. Reality. We all wrestle with depression from time to time. All of us. All of us deal with anxiety from time to time. We all worry. We all deal with stuff. We all are overwhelmed. All of us. Y'all hear me? All of us. White, black, Asian, Hispanic, young, old, rich, poor, suburbs, county, country, hood, trailer park, long hair, straight hair, perm, flat iron. I don't care what you got. Real nails or fake nails. Real hair or fake hair. You can scratch it. You can pat it. All y'all got anxiety from time to time. We, you like how that is? Because money can't pull you out of going through. Why do I say this in closing? Because I need you to see something. I really believe that if Judas would not have made a response emotionally, that he could have potentially rebounded. Oh, well, hold on. Hold on. I mean, the Bible says that someone had to betray, but it didn't say the betrayer couldn't be saved. 
I really do believe that there was a good possibility that if he would have waited for the grace and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he could have heard much like Peter did, go feed my sheep. Why do I tell you this? I tell you this because if you are in a place right now that you're very emotional, you're overwhelmed, you're thinking more through your emotions than you are with reality, with logic, with the Spirit of God, I want to challenge you to slow down. Don't move quick. Don't quit your job. Don't give your resignation. Don't cuss out your boss. Don't walk away from your marriage. Don't do any of those things just yet. Well, I, I, no, no, look, no, no. I'm not saying you do or you don't. I'm just saying don't be led with your emotions because there is life after your chaos. Y'all hear me? There is life after your chaos. And the enemy wants there to be a whole lot of Judases who mess up so bad that they carry around so much guilt and remorse and, and shame that they end up self just mutilating, just really believing this is it, and it's not it. There is no way that you can ever go beyond the, the reach of God's grace. All we need to do is say, God, I am ready to make a decision today because I'm overwhelmed, I'm frustrated, I'm irritable, this has been a long time, but I'm not going to. I am not a being that makes decisions off of emotion. I make decisions off of what's rational, what's logical, what's spiritual. I seek input. I get accountability. I measure the cost. I see if God is in it. And then after I've done all of this, it may take weeks, it may take months, but through it all, God, I will not make a rash decision. And here's why you have to be careful not to do it. Because the enemy loves it when the spirit of Judas rises up in the church. And I'm not talking about the spirit of betrayal. I'm talking about the spirit of defeat. I'm talking about there can be hope beyond your mistake, but the enemy makes you think that there's nothing else beyond this. All this is it. You'll never be any more than this. And I, and I just came to tell you right now that I bind those lying spirits that tell you that your past is better than your future because that's a lie from the pits of hell and that God has a plan for your life. Do you hear me? I said he's got a plan for your life. And he's going to do something in you. And you cannot allow your guilt to become shame where you don't think you can be anything because everything is just so messed up and you might as well just end it and call it quits. No, you keep on going. You get up and you keep moving forward. I know you disappointed people. I know your children have been affected because of your decisions. I know that you've lost a many a good jobs. I know you've been divorced and remarried. I know you had, a, had, had some sort of divorce. And, and I know that you gave up children. And I know that you were abused or you were the abuser. I know that your life was jacked up. But you better not quit. You better keep on moving forward. Because the enemy wants you to hang it up and call it quits. And I challenge you to say to yourself, self, I will not call it quits. I will keep moving forward. I won't allow the enemy to take my life. 
the enemy wants you to be dead he wants to assassinate and kill he's got a plan and it's to still kill and destroy but you see it now you see it now you see it now and you see it and you say there's life beyond my stupidity there's life beyond my bad decisions there's life beyond my guilt and shame there's life beyond my mistakes and my hurt I will not listen to the enemy I will listen to the report of the Lord. I will be like Peter and not like Judas. I will be like David and not like Saul. God, I pray for every person here that has made dumb decisions and they're still living in them. The guilt that says, oh, I've done bad. But I also pray for those that have shame that says, oh, I am bad. I pray that that spirit of shame and guilt will be broken off, Lord. I bind every suicidal spirit that is in this building that says it will be better off dead than alive. I bind that spirit in the name of Jesus. I bind every suicidal spirit. I bind every depressive spirit. I bind every anxious spirit. I bind every fearful spirit. I bind every manipulating spirit in the name of Jesus. And I pray liberty. I pray breakthrough. I pray revival. I pray peace. I pray joy. I I pray an outflowing of your goodness to be upon your people, God. Please, Lord, change us. We want to move on. We want to get beyond our pain. We want to get beyond our hurt. We want to get beyond our struggles, Lord. God, we don't want what happened back in the day to affect us now, Lord. Set us free. We know that you're able, God. We know that you're able. I pray new life for every single one of us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Let's sing this song together. God bless you guys. If there's anybody here that has a prayer request, these altars are open. Maybe you say, man, I want new life in Christ. Come to these altars. We'd love to pray for you and just lead you through a prayer. May God bless you. Thank you for joining us, and we hope this message blessed you. 